Hello, and welcome to another edition of No Less Paranormal Podcast, where three nerdy paranormal investigators sit down and discuss spooky stories from the web. My name is Joe. I'm the lead investigator. My name is Teresa. I am a researcher. Namoy, I am your Bigfoot hunting, changeling, Delta, Hagen, Druid, Baba Yaga, and Doogiest Equipment Center, Robert. Alex. Wow. I love you. Not, that's not John Snow, man. That's Daenerys. <laughs> you know that shirt with all the titles? Like, I'm, I'm going for that eventually. And then we have the most awesome special guest of all special guests. Ken, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, uh, I am Ken Summers. I am a paranormal investigator, writer, researcher, you name it. I've been doing this since. Uh, 15 or 16, and I'm going to be 45 here in a few more weeks, so it's been <laughs> I started off just researching the Cuyahoga Valley and all of that, and a lot of local legends, and then branched out, and now my area of expertise is basically the intersection of sexuality and supernatural. I've written about the local stories in the valley years and years ago. And then I had a book called Queer Hauntings, True Tales of Gay and Lesbian Ghosts back in 2009. And then just last year, I finally released Weirdly Queer, uh, which is a comprehensive history of anything LGBTQ to deal with every aspect of the paranormal, from witchcraft to psychics to ghosts. Big book, you name it. So, sort of a little bit of a interesting niche that I have, but <laughs> I I like anything paranormal. And I would also like to add to that that Ken also happens to be uh, the one that we credit as being sort of our paranormal mentors. When we first started investigating, it was Moonspenders. How what what? How did you start Moonspenders? Well. To show my age, it started out as a hometown AOL website <laughs> where I was just Sucks. compiling local stories that I'd stumbled across. And then I decided to branch out and I figured, oh, let's try a paranormal group. So I went out with a few different groups, joined a few different groups, and decided, well, maybe I'll start my own. Okay. And, well, like usual, that doesn't always go so well. So it kind of fell apart and I just let it die a slow painful death <laughs> <laughs> just went on from there and i've been kind of doing my own thing since then spending too much time researching and i'm not time actually having to feel anymore i feel it listen don't you threaten me with a geo cities and angel fire good time all right <laughs> <laughs> yes i think we were all in the same exact space at the same exact time since we're all very close to the same age. Goodness. So today is actually the Cuyahoga Valley National Park that we wanted to focus on. I you guys that there were going to be 100 million throughout this place. And today we finally decided that we're going to talk about a few of them. Pull the trigger. Well, obviously it's going to be a very, very thick sode. And if we talked about every single bit of it, it would take like a freaking day. So we'll, we'll mail it to maybe an hour and a half or something. But yeah. Which one? I think the Fugit is definitely a certain portion of the Gaga Valley, although it is kind of all-encompassing, and I think that 
can you can verify that the place that we're talking about in the Calgary Valley, to be more specific, Indigo Lake, mm-hmm. uh, is kind of the central valley. Like, there's beaver marks on the other side. There is deep lock on the other side. One's in lock. It, which is kind of right smack dab in the middle. The river bridge, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, I would say technically it's in the southern part of the valley, but it's in the thick of the main part of the valley. It's toward the center. Mm-hmm. Right. For, for those of you who are not familiar, it is the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. So it is a Federal Reserve National Park. The rail landscape runs straight along the Cuyahoga River between Akron and Cleveland. So it encompasses a huge portion of Northeast Ohio. And when I say huge, I'm talking 32,500 acres. It's, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> the most beautiful place in the world. And it was actually originally designated as a national recreation area back in uh, 1974. And uh, to be fair, so that doesn't include the fact that it's kind of connected to like other parks that are closer to the Cleveland area and right. like, other parts that go down into like canyon and like the Tusk Valley. Right? Yeah, yeah. So like it's it's literally right in the middle of I would call like the middle forested area of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big trees. And <laughs> the super fun to learn about that is it was actually the uh, ninth most visited national park in the US in twenty twenty two, attracting more than two point nine million visitors. Uh, which actually placed it just barely ahead of Glacier National Park, which is huge. We've all heard of that. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And mind you, those numbers are probably exponential because of COVID. So, Ken, what is your very favorite trailhead and why? Trailhead. Oh. Or, or, or Plutter. It doesn't. Well, no, don't, don't give them out. <laughs> Make it more power to the trailhead. Yeah, there we go. Okay, you can be like that. That's fine. <laughs> I would say, uh, as far as trailheads go, I almost want to say it's a tie between Deep Lock Quarry. Mm-hmm. And the one my wife is terrified of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, because oh, it's scared me. Brandywine Falls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's probably the prettiest at all. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And they both have different connotations to me about it. For me, Brandywine Falls, I remember when Stanford Road was open and you could drive from Brandywine Falls right down into the valley through what is commonly known as Helltown, <laughs> uh, which is everywhere nowadays. Everyone's talking about legend all the time. Township. <laughs> they completely missed their opportunity to actually enjoy the urban legend while it was in full swing. Now it's nothing like it used to be, and all the magic is gone, basically. <laughs> uh, and Deep Lock Quarry, because I fractured my wrist there when I was walking when I was in my early teens. That's a weird reason to make it a favorite place, Kev. I go on. It is. Fantastic memories. Okay. Yeah, well, it's, it's an old, uh, it's actually three old limestone quarries connected into each other at Deep Lock there, dating back to the 1700s. And uh, most of the buildings in Cleveland were built using the quarries limestone from those quarries. Yeah. So it's so it's a really fascinating place. It's 
got a lot of little traces of history, old millstones and old railroad tracks and all sorts of interesting little things hidden off in the woods that are worth checking out if you feel like exploring and all that. So, and it leads right down to the deep block itself, which is called the block because it was the deepest block on the Ohio and Erie Canal. And for those unfamiliar with canal locks, canal locks are basically little doors that change the elevation of the water to allow boats to flow through a water, a waterway that changes elevation over a, a long span of distance. And ironically, so the one that we're talking about in Civic, where all of these parts are involved is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ken, but the Erie Canal? The Ohio and Erie Canal. The Ohio and Erie Canal. Correct. Yeah. Built in 1827. Mm-hmm. It started in 1827, finished in 1832. Which, which is quite a while, really. Oh, yeah. So, as far as, let's just jump right into it. As far as paranormal happenings at Deep Lock Quarry, um, why do you think the place has such significant paranormal activity? Do you think it is its history? Do you think it is the way that it holds energy in the limestone? Do you think it's a combination of all of it? Have, what, what kind of stories and history do we have from the period that would suggest it be haunted? Surprisingly, there really aren't many tragic stories that I come across that deal with the quarry itself. Mm-hmm. But just knowing that it was a limestone quarry where you're wearing like five to ten ton blocks of stone, it was extremely dangerous back in the day. This was all long before we had mechanical equipment and you were just using ropes and pulleys and logs to mm-hmm. lift huge stones. So it was a very dangerous place to live. But actually not too far away from the lock itself, there's a bridge over the railroad, a railroad bridge over the river, and there was someone who did die on that bridge during construction. Um, so there is that possibility. It just dawned on me now. I hadn't really thought about that in a long time. Mm-hmm. But there's a crane that fell while they were hoisting up part of the bridge, and it fell directly on a worker and killed him. Oh, that's rough. Have you personally had any experiences at that lock? Uh, not at that lock itself. Further north of there, along the tracks, definitely I had a lot more experience. Uh, the whole canal is definitely a creepy place after dark. I will say that for sure. Yeah. But most of my experiences have been north, north of the town of Peninsula itself. Or south of the town of Peninsula itself. I haven't really encountered anything in that specific area. Okay. Okay. Cool. So as far as Indigo, let's talk here. So if you start heading north, we're looking at this is where you would find Deep Lock Quarry. This is where you would find like Lonesome Lock is another popular one, especially with ghost hunters. Like if people look on ghosts to the Gullah Valley, they're going to find Lonesome Lock. This is where you find like even Ball, things like that. Going south, you'd be looking at, well, no, even the north would be Everett Cover Bridge, just a little bit, not much. Kind of a suspected stone's throw. South would be like Beaver Marsh, right, Ted? Yeah, Beaver Marsh, Boatsome, and heading down south into Akron itself, too. Like Sandy, San Ron, yeah. stuff like that. 
but most of it goes up north. But like then the irony there is that like what people don't realize is the Cairo Valley National Park is actually it kind of intercedes with like Viaduct Park and like Rocky River Park, which goes all the way up to Lake Erie. And then going south, it kind of intercedes with like the like the Tusk Valley, Tuscarawas, that area. All of it intercedes with that national park and all follows down the Cairo River. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of it's hard to tell where the park and sometimes the national park ends because there's so many metro parks. There's the kind of county metro, Cleveland metro parks. I mean, some county metro parks, mm-hmm. Portage metro parks, Stark County metro parks, all of that. So it almost blends in. So you'll be going into a metro park without realizing you're leaving the national. Right, right. Right. I think what a lot of people don't realize is there's a lot more woods and national park that literally goes to the middle of the city in Ohio than you would think there is. Oh, yeah. And when you're in the center of it all, it doesn't feel like you're anywhere near suburbia at all. (laughs) So I took my way to Alder Pond, which is a place where I grew up in like Goodyear Heights in the middle of Akron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I literally took her to the pond section where there's a forest that completely brings the pond. And um, as you walk back down into the trailhead to the pond itself, like you would literally never believe you're in the middle of Akron. No. <laughs> Been there myself. So the second most interesting place that I want to talk about that we have actually had quite a bit of experiences at would be the Edward Road Cover Bridge. This bridge is actually really awesome. It crosses Fergus Run, correct? Yes. So it is the only remaining covered bridge still existing in Summit County. It was built uh, in the 1800s. Um, during that period, there were actually tons of them. There were like a couple thousand of them. Um, but obviously, it's the last of them. Um, Again, in Summit County. Uh, in Summit County, yes, correct. Preface. So it was winter night in 1877 that sort of gave that bridge what it's its paranormal story. But the fun part is that the story of the tragedy that happened there doesn't actually have a goddamn thing to do with that particular bridge, does it, Ken? Not really. No, it was yeah, February of 1877. 77, yeah. And John Gilson and his wife, Hannah, were actually coming down Wheatley Road. Wheatley Road still exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just north on the creek, or just upstream, I guess you would say, Yeah, uh, from the bridge itself. And it was one of those typical Februarys in Ohio where you have terrible cold weather, lots of snow, and then all of a sudden you have a thaw, and everything had flooded mm-hmm. and washed ice onto Meadley Road, and they were coming down with their horse-drawn sleigh, and they hit a patch of ice, and it slid the whole sleigh, horses and all, right into the raging creek right there. There just happened to be a young teenage boy out by a nearby barn who heard the commotion and ran over. John Gilson, right before he was sucked under, said his last words, save my wife first. And with that, he disappeared. The young man jumped into the water, pulled Hannah out of the water, and rescued her. 
Gilson himself was never was wasn't found in that area. He was found, I believe, it was about three quarters of a mile downstream in a muddy embankment about a week later from that. But even though it's, I have arguments with the historian about the whole thing. But he said that the bridge was called Centennial Bridge and it was built in 1876. Although there's legends in the area that the bridge was built because he had died. But I think it's more than likely it was built in 1876. So it was there when he died. But he lived on Oak Hill Road. So he would have had to cross that bridge in order to get home. So there's a good chance that that could be why people hear a horse-drawn wagon crossing over the bridge, even though he was in a sleigh, not in a horse-drawn wagon. Mm. <laughs> so there's a lot of lot of weird stuff. But <laughs> I would say the weirdest thing, though, is the pine trees right next to the bridge, where the road makes a sharp turn on Everett Road, used to be at least an acre-sized cemetery. It was Everett mm-hmm. Cemetery. And it it was privately owned. It had well over 100 burials in it. And when the land was sold off to someone else, they just abandoned it. Yeah. The the gravestones were either thrown into the creek or the flat ones, the uprights, were turned upside down and used as paving stones in someone's garden. So basically the whole cemetery was desecrated by heat. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I want to say it was like the second time that I ever visited the bridge. We were taking photos, and we actually got down into the water because we're crazy. And you can actually see some of some of the sets. Obviously, the water has worn off. Anything that would would be like lighting or whatever over the you know years and years. But yeah, you can actually still see some of those headstones down there stuck into the rocks. And there's that one photo that I still think is definitely worse. 100%. 100%. So this photo, I don't know, let's preface this. Like, okay, so obviously when Mr. Grayson and his wife, when they read you, went into the river, right about the area where the Everglade Bridge is right now would have been roughly the area that the water probably would have washed like the horses and and him he might live further but yeah so if you're going from indigo south towards Everett River bridge and then under it and past it in it to be fair going south it immediately curve mm-hmm. to the left under the bridge yeah. uh, uh, that's where we got that yeah so so the water would make a curve in the river right right next to the bridge Anyhow, though, so in the spring, which, mind you, this was not digital. This was back in the day before we even had those. So this was a We're taking photos, and one of the photos that got developed, in my opinion, very clearly shows sort of a slightly, I mean, I'm not sort of a mist of shadow, but a slightly darker outline. It's a super fog mist type thing. Yeah, it 110% to me it looks like a freaking horse standing there in a the creek. You definitely see two distinct legs. Yeah, sure. and the head. You yeah. can see that. And if we can find the photo, we will definitely upload it to our Facebook site. So I was you had your photo somewhere there. Was it somewhere. Didn't? I know I have it too. Did you ever see a ghost? Apparition, I guess you could say, at Indigo that might. So, looking down the hill, going to make the tracks. I've seen all kinds of interesting things at Indigo. 
do we want to do we want to continue talking about Edward, or do we want to jump for No, obviously he's bringing that up. But no, we can continue talking about the history. Oh, 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 give us a second here. What I will say is, first off, with with Everett, we'll talk about it all in just circle around. Uh, Everett is one of the very much places where, like, I've gone there a bunch of times, especially, like, you, you know, sometimes you stop there the way to you wanted to go, sometimes you stop there the way home for to go, because coming off the, you know, 21 slash 77 north, you know, um, it's, it's right off the exit, it's on the way to Indigo. So sometimes I stop there on the way to Indigo, uh, a lot of times I stop at both, yeah. and sometimes it's on the way home. Uh, Everett, I will say, it's a very much either it's on that night or it's on yeah. that night. Goes to thirteen fifty with them. Yeah, there, there's really no kind of in between. They're you know, like, ah, eh, maybe I feel something here. You know, you're like, eh, eh, it's time to get out of here. Yeah, totally. There's no fun in There's chill. Yeah, and that one time where we got that one photo, believe it or not, it was chill that night. Yeah, I remember that because I was wearing. Jenko jeans back in the late nineties. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and they were absolutely soaked from carrying people across the creek because, uh, hey, Miss Roads is deeper than lakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually, I, there are other ghosts there worth mentioning. Well, one mainly. Do it, Ken. I want to hear it. I know. Well, there is there is this, a legend of a little girl that haunts either. In or around the little church right up there on the road, uh, mm-hmm. heading back toward Riverview Road. I have never been able to iron iron down the whole story. I've never been able to get in contact with someone who can tell me the whole story. It was really So now now you're speaking of a story that even I don't know about the valley. Can it sound like this is a place that we should check out this year? Yes, <laughs> and the road between the church and the bridge is haunted by what's best described as, depending on who sees it or when you see it or how it chooses to appear, possibly, either a dark, shadowy shape of a person or someone in a Halloween costume. So, like a dark drawing? Not quite. That's what I'm my theory of my scene. I would say more like when people have seen this as something other than a shadow, it seems like a teenager out trick-or-treating, even though it's not around Halloween. I'm actually seeing rather, I don't want to say large, it looks very masculine to me. I've seen a, a very, very dark shadow of what appears to be a masculine person at not just the bridge where it exits to the back where that where that road is that's no longer traveled. And then of course going up that road just a little bit. That's from Kill. Okay. Yes, thank you. So yeah, I've seen I've seen what I think is a guy. Never seen a child though. I have. You saw a child is Go ahead, Jerry. I was gonna say Oak Hill is one of the oldest roads in the area. It was put in place by the Hale family to get to their house. So most of those old roads followed different native trails and all of that. So it probably dates back hundreds of years before that year. So, bro, you said that you have seen a child? Yes, sitting on the graveyard. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Now, yeah, that would be where, like, the little pine tree farm type thing is today. Yeah. 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 Mind you guys, we started visiting the area long before the pine tree forest. Yeah. 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 So what I would like to say before we get too in-depth with spirits, ghosts, other things that may or may not be there, uh, we should talk a little bit about the history of the area. And I, I will lead into this, but I will let Ken talk about it. It's a mixture of, um, it's, to be fair, it's a mixture of many things. It's robust. Um, the canal itself, kind of Irish, but also was very much prominent in like the Native American, like the Beaver Wars, the trading of the early 1800s. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, this year, talking about the valley was always considered a wonderful place. So you're talking about thousands of years of human habitation going back to some of the early Eastern Woodland tribes who settled in that area all the way up until it became part of the Western Reserve and the settlers started moving in in the late 1700s, early 1800s. And then you had the scuffles between the natives and the settlers. There were quite a few skirmishes that took place in the area there was, I know there was even a, a kidnapping that took place is connected with Mary Campbell Cave in Akron, mm-hmm. uh, where a, a young girl was kidnapped by a tribe and held captive in the cave that now bears her name. Yeah. Uh, but there were, after that whole battle took place and the natives were forced off of the land and moved on, there were a lot of changes that happened. You had the Industrial Revolution taking place. The canal came in in the 1830s, and the town of Everett was then called Johnny Keg. It was named after a time when the river silt, or the, the, the canal silted up heavily because there was a flood, and Furnace Run sort of caked it in with mud, and a canal boat was trapped there for about a week, and all they had food-wise, provisions-wise, was cornmeal. So they had to survive on what's called Johnny Cakes, which is basically cornmeal pancakes. So that's how the town got its name. But then it became Everett when the Valley Railway came in in the 1870s, 1880s. It was named after Sylvester T. Everett, who was treasurer of the original Valley Railway, mm-hmm. that came there. And then that uprooted a lot of things, too. It disturbed a lot of native sites. Uh, even today, there's still a lot of damage that's been done to native sites. So the park doesn't like to talk too much about where certain things are. But there are some burial mounds. There's a fort. There's, there's a lot of different things in that area that if you don't know what you're looking for or at, you wouldn't notice that these are sacred sites in a lot of ways to the early settlers of the area. But a lot of things changed with everything, the Industrial Revolution and all of that. So the whole area has been through a lot of transformations over the years. And even Big Fever Marsh was a dairy farm at one point. 
and then it became a junkyard before the park came in and cleaned it all up and brought back the beaver population to take over and reclaim the area. And in a lot of ways, we should mention that this is part of you know, the lower than is hell town. This is Boston Township. This is Everett, Boston Peninsula. Like, it all kind of flows together in its own certain way. You know what I mean? You know what? Well, a lot of that has to stem back to when the park came in in the 70s. They, through eminent domain, they took over property. People were upset by it. People were displaced. Houses were abandoned. Buildings were abandoned. So between people being rightfully angry for losing property that's been in their families for decades upon centuries, even in some cases, they also, they had all these abandoned places which are perfect for storytelling and coming up with crazy stories to go mm-hmm. with why these places are so spooky and abandoned. Now, to kind of get back on a little bit of the history, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it was the Hopewell Indians who had settled in that area. And I believe, now this is just a rumor, I'm going to see if you can substantiate it all. When you are leaving Let's say you're leaving Everett Road Bridge on, obviously, Everett Road, and you're heading down to the T there where you would take and, you know, turn right to go back to Indigo Lake. Is that not a burial mound that you actually drive over? Right next to the church, that little hill that you're talking about? Yeah. That is absolutely a hill builder. Yeah, and they just it's surrounded by limestone blocks. That's what they used to build out with the, the mound itself. And yeah, uh, when settlers came in to build a road there, they didn't care, and they just built it right over it. That's just the most amazing thing ever. So no wonder that area is, uh, you know, a little Angry. sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no, that's, that's some shit right there. Um, and then I believe that if you... It's an exact area. If you follow those tracks down, not not even not to Indigo Lake, but like halfway is where you're going to find what used to be the Mount Fork, correct? Yes, right across from what used to be called Everett Swamp. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's still a swamp. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's, between yeah. me and you, it's still a swamp. Yeah. <laughs> it is, but it's a tiny little swamp. So. Yeah, yeah. It's not all I'm saying. Joy, walk this track, playing time. Yeah, it's a swamp. <laughs> I lost the shoe. But I lost Charlie. So, yeah, that to me has always been just a, a very interesting part of the history of the place is that. I've had people live there a long, long time, and, and every bit of their history was literally just a waste. Oh, yeah. And then before that, even the Adena Mountain Filters were mm-hmm. strong in the area, and even underneath the railroad tracks and all of that, along that area, they found pottery from the Adena Mountain Builders, a couple thousand year, years old. So, yeah, it's been very much destroyed in a lot of ways. So what we should say that it is kind of a little bit more popular is, so the Adida Mound Builders were the same people that were responsible for like server mouth in Ohio. Yeah. They also like, again, we're in the podcast. If you follow a certain tabletop role-playing games like Vampire the Masquerade, they have a sect of vampires called the Black Hen. 
the Black Panthers first a sect of Adina Messenen. You will go through, and if you go, I believe it's Raven Rock, is one that is like the river that goes through the Serpent Mound. You will still find imprints of black hands mm-hmm. along the naturally formed limestone. Yeah. So clearly, this is the way we up here as well. I do know that there are also several other native tribes throughout history that were up through there. We know. Yeah, the, the, so it's, it was actually the Seneca, which was part of the Iroquois Confederation. The Iowa moved through there at one point. The Ojibwa moved through there at one point near like Blackstone. The Mango tribe, which was literally just a noble name for the Seneca. That's what they were called at that time. They hung out there very near like Ira. They had a camp near Ira. Gosh. Yeah. So there were quite a few. There were quite a few. Yeah, the Seneca also were settled in the town of Boston, which is where Helltown exists. That the, what it's commonly referred to as Helltown. Yeah. So that whole town of Boston was basically a Seneca. Well, okay, okay. Because yeah. it's Lonesome Rock, where we actually originally met Ken. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I did know that the Ottawa had a camp just north of Boston, but I was actually aware that the Seneca camped out there as well. That's pretty interesting. But yeah, so the Native Americans really have huge influence over a good majority of the valley. And then, Ken, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were telling me a story. It was actually the Irish indentured servitude that was responsible for building most of the canal itself. You could say that in a way. Basically, in order to get enough laborers to build the canal and get enough skilled laborers to quarry the stones to build the locks, they imported people from Ireland to do the work and they paid their passage over here by ship. Uh, the problem was basically instead of getting a normal paycheck is they were basically working off their debt that they owed for being brought over. So they would be paid every, every day they would get a jigger of whiskey. They would get a bowl of beef stew and something like two cents. And it was a very pitiful existence and you had to deal with yellow fever and malaria and all sorts of different illnesses because this area especially this entire city of Akron was one big swamp so you were battling horrible wilderness conditions and all sorts of disease and the 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 nice story that we want to believe about the whole thing is that oh every few miles they built a cemetery for the poor workers and all that and this really happened they Nobody could afford a funeral because they were all still in debt. So they literally just, if someone died, they would just dig a trench right there along the towpath, throw them in, say a couple prayers, and keep on going. Yeah, and that's pretty much the end of it. Kent, uh, speaking of which, I have heard a couple of stories from you that I would like you to elaborate on somewhat, and I'm sure they kind of go to the whole valley. Certain people that you've certainly... I wouldn't even say people. Apparitions that you've seen, head of lamps, you know, torches, just walking to the woods, down through the valley, along where the towpath goes. Yes. Well, 
One of my favorite haunted places is Lonesome Lock. I sort of revived that legend back when I started everything out around 1999. Been that long. That's when we started with you. (laughs) Yeah. But that's funny because whenever I mentioned that alley, people are like, oh, did you hear about Lonesome Lock? Yeah, because I started snow. (laughs) Because I I used to be friends with a lot of park rangers and I was close enough with enough of them that they would share little stories here and there. And one ranger I knew happened to mention one day, I was like, well, obviously, you know, about Lonesome Lock. What are you talking about? And she said, oh, yeah, that's where this legend is that this woman was murdered and her headless ghost wanders around the lock. I'm like, oh, that sounds like it's right up my alley. <laughs> so I started investigating it and posting about it. And that's where that whole thing kind of snowballed into the popular location that it is now. But that's where I saw my first ever true apparition, not too far away from there. And one of these days, I need to get, I, since I haven't really kept with the times and technology, and I'm used to using old school equipment, I have a video on high eight tape that I let record just facing south from Lonesome Lock along the trail and the canal. And in from my perspective, I saw what looked like a candle or a candlelit lantern floating down the center of the canal itself through the trees that were have grown up in its place over the years and all that. And then when I played back the tape later on, it looks like this brilliant light, almost blinding light, floating down the center of uh, the canal itself. Uh, But the best part about it is shortly after that, within a couple of minutes, I recorded someone on a bicycle coming down the the trail right along where that same path is with a headlight on the front of his bike. So you can tell the difference between this bike lamp and this other light that was floating down. <laughs> so it just it just sat perfectly to to help you debunk it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it was definitely not you could tell that this was absolutely not a bicycle. And I just it didn't make sense because I was thinking for the longest time, like, well maybe it's a reflection on the bike. But it's like, what could it have reflected off of? Right. The trees are not reflective. The dirt is not reflective. <laughs> You would have like a sheet of glass along the entire length on the canal in order to see that light continuously going along at the same rate. Right, right. And what if that's the one thing was only about the people who had, I want to say it was actually Beaver Marsh. I, I'm pretty sure. When you're walking around the first part of the trail, and it's got that real pretty road that runs right through the trees. You said it used to be an estate off on the one side. Yeah, they yeah, have you to be fair. Cat and I have actually walked off to the foundation of that state. To where the still exists of the foundation? I don't even know. That was 25 years ago when the foundation was to exist of the foundation. So a walk now. All right. Yeah, those pine trees were planted by the Carter family. Uh, that was their driveway nice. at one point in time. Charles Carter used to be a canal boatman back when the canal was in operation. 
And he lived in what was the Lock Fever's house right there next to Pancake Lock, which is right, right at the entrance to Beaver Marsh mm-hmm. after heading on the trail. So I found a picture of his house from back in the day. So I've seen that. But uh, his son Darwin, when he became blind later in life, his son Darwin took over the dairy farm that they had there after the canal went out of operation and built a house next to that. Where So the pine trees in that area sort of separated the two houses mm-hmm. uh, from each but yes, Charles always hopes that the canal would be revitalized because he missed working on the canal. But then they started working on it in 1905. They were going to renovate it into a recreational canal. But then the flood of 1913 happened and destroyed the entire canal beyond repair. And that was the same year that shortly after, I believe six months after that whole flood happened, is when Charles died. And people have reported seeing a man in overalls wandering along that stretch that they believe could be Charles Carter still trying to either get his way home or see if there's any news up canal. Yeah, no, I actually have seen a gentleman in in what I thought when I was walking down that, that same, uh, I, I still call it a road, but I guess now it's just a path. Yeah, I, I've seen that as well, actually. Uh, do you remember? Oh, gosh. Where did I go with that day when we must have been? Also, we were at. No, that was Beaver Marsh. No, no, it would have been Lonesome Lock. Tell me the story. <laughs> remember, remember the time we all went up there and we went to Lonesome Lock, and us ladies were kind of hanging out together, and we decided to walk up towards whatever weird little scuffling noise we had heard in the woods, and this like monstrous fucking bot was like nose to nose with me. That was Lonesome Lock, because it's kind of around the bridge that goes across the Gulf River at this point. Yeah. And the amount of expletives that left the mouths of those ladies was the special that just all sorts of drugs are made out of. But you sound like listeners. We actually still have the audio from that. We need to do it. So we had a story behind it. Just like, you're going to hear us going like, what is that? What is that? And like, we all go walking up and like, we step right into the tree line. And then all you heard is like screaming and cussing and craziness. What actually happened was I came literally within inches of a buck that like absolutely fucking towered above me. He must have been like the fucking king of the forest or something. It was hilarious. Well, I have my own recording of my own embarrassing moment, too. Mm-hmm. When I saw my first apparition, uh-huh. right there, just south, Lonesome Lock, where the tunnel goes underneath the railroad tracks. Yes! I, yeah. I was out with my friend Chet and a friend of his. They had climbed up the embankment onto the railroad tracks and left me down the bottom because I don't do heights very well yeah and it started out with just hearing somebody running past and i moved out of the way because people use the trail 24 hours a day so you will get joggers at three o'clock in the morning right and <laughs> out of the way mm-hmm. oh, yeah and there was nobody there so creeped me out a little bit finally coaxed them down and then as we were leaving we were heading north we went through the tunnel, and I looked back to make sure they were still following us, or following me. And beyond them, I could see a, it was a 
it was like straight up a movie. It was a glowing shape of a man. It was like foggy shape of a man. He walked down off the hill by the railroad tracks and crossed the Topan Trail. And right before he hit the riverside of the trail, he just went out like a light. That's awesome. <laughs> and it terrified me, but I sort of lost the ability to think. And I always laugh about it afterward because I was, I was recording EVPs at the time. But instead, I captured me turning into a valley girl. <laughs> and so it's just me, like, guys, like, 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 guys, like, like, I think, uh, like, we should, like, maybe, get out. <laughs> Those are player functions gone. That's amazing. I love it. That's awesome. So I've got to hear that one, just so you're aware. One day. It's one of these micro percents that I am piled, so i got to find it still. <laughs> For a blister, there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Mountains of, of potential evidence just laying around the house. So, the most interesting place in the park, I think, for us has been Indigo Lake. Throughout the entirety of the times that we have visited the park, the that place has just taken on many, 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 many faces. The very, very first time I ever visited was with you, Ken, and I actually saw the apparition of what I thought was a Native American man who had no legs, and it scared the living shit out of me because it was like like beside me and I wasn't expecting it. And I hear that that man had a name. What did you guys call him? All right, so we're going to pause for a second. So, Ken, you, you've heard that part of our story, and once you started to explain and before Joe and I get into our weirdly more recent substantial discoveries, observations, even discoveries, right? And then you go like, this was the popular theory that you go like. Uh, and again, there's there's a lot of history throughout the entire valley, be it this, you know, sect of people and this sect of people. And it was all built into the same kind of thing. So, yeah, Ken. Go ahead and talk about the original, you know, back in 1998 when we were first checking out Indigo Lake. What was the Native American myths back then? Oh, goodness. I know there were a lot of really strange stories that it was very mishmash. We didn't quite know too much about the, the actual history of that area. I know I had seen some or I felt watched from the woods quite a bit by what I perceived to possibly be some sort of Native American energy. I know there was someone that I know who believed that there was one stone at the top that was connected to ley lines. As far as the natives in the area, I hadn't yet discovered that there may have been like a bit of a battle that had taken place between a group of settlers and a small group of tribes, tribes people in the Pacific area. I didn't really know much about that hill at all at that point. The one thing that I did experience, and I started to think it was somehow Native American, I was out there with Chet once again and one or two other people. We, were, we had walked all the way up to the top of the hill, and our way back, 
I felt watched from behind me. So we just emerged from the woods and started to get around the bends where you start going down to the lake level. Mm-hmm. And I turned around and I saw these two orange eyes looking at me in the middle of the path. And I thought, this, maybe it's just my imagination. Maybe I'm just... Turned around, started walking, turned back again, and they're still there. And the darkness is starting to take shape into what looks like a person with glowing orange eyes standing or walking down the middle of a path. And as I, I was just transfixed, and I just kept watching, and this figure started walking to not saying anything, not making any sudden movement. And he, he had both arms down at his sides, and he raised them out straight at either side. And what looked like feathers were hanging off of each of his arms. Can we see some sort of bird costume of some sort? And right at that point, when I was about to tell the guys that I was with about it, they felt like there was something rushing up behind us, and they took off flying down the hill and led me up there at the top of the hill by myself. I would have loved to stay around and see what happened, but I didn't want to do it alone, so I just followed them down to the bottom of the hill. That's it's really interesting because we over the years have witnessed the vast majority of those things sort of by accident before we even really knew that there were stories behind them. So for yeah. example, the idea of there being what we refer to it as a con, which is the point system you reference with the ley lines. Yeah, exactly. The stone that you reference with the ley lines. Now, I've actually found, I did a bunch of research and found a really, very old map of what they believed were the Earth's natural magnetic lines. Obviously, that would be ley lines. Yeah. And I took coordinates and actually traced, and this is this is God's honest truth, there is actually a convergence of ley lines that exists right there where that card sits. I do thousands of Yes. <laughs> it, it, it's very, very real. I found uh, in the map was the, the U.S. Geological Survey people. So it was a familiar map, not just some shit some crackhead made up. <laughs> so, yeah. For real, a convergence of ley lines right there into the best of what I can pinpoint it, not being some sort of a geography major. It does appear to me that those are the exact coordinates where that cell lies. All right. So, I'm going to pause for just a split second here. So, Ken kind of told a little bit of his story with Andy Bill-like. Um, What I would like to do is a little bit of roundtable with everybody's first. Their, their first take, take experience, take slash experience with Indigo Lake. Because ironically, I've been talking about my next, which kind of follows into the same weird thing. And upon meeting Ken a couple of years later, it kind of made sense in a weird sort of way. So mine was back in, I want to say like 98. And if you followed the trail up the hill, and instead of going into the woods where the trail leads you, you follow the dirt path around back. Yeah. All right. 
And then you follow the path back beyond that, and then there's the uh, kind of high ravine type thing up on the one side, and then there's, and to be fair, the wild is there, it was the wildflowers that were growing as tall as a person on the other side. Well, so you could eat cells on the other side. Me and a couple of my friends had gone, and to be fair, I'll be honest with everybody, it was the weekend after we had gone and seen the Blair Witch Project on its opening release weekend. That was well planned. So it was looking after Fred. <laughs> we are laying back in the path, and all of a sudden we hear like weird footsteps. Like, so Ken will know what I'm talking about when I said there's the big open field behind the lake. And then follow the path back, there's a point where it bends kind of to the left, and then it goes back to the right and up through the trees. And you guys will love what I'm talking about, too, because you've been there. But when it first starts to bend towards the left, you know, laying right there at the corner, it was me and a couple of friends of mine, and, uh, you know, you kind of start hearing, you know, footsteps, but it's like 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, and our one buddy, Mike, that was with us, was like, hey, you know, stay real still, you'll be able there a deer might walk out into the path right here, you know. I'm not a hunter. I don't know these things. I'm like, cool. We're just going to hang out right here at the path, right? Uh, rocks. Rocks right being thrown. They were the size of my fist or bigger. And then we start hearing, like, these weird, like, screaming noises, right? Um, and they were, I mean, this the nicest and most open way when I say it's like Southwest American dialect, right? Somewhere between native Spanish, Mexican, I, I don't know the exact dialect, but it was it was not English and it was like screaming and it was this and that. And a couple of my friends who were Billy badasses, you know, ran off into the woods like chasing. They didn't find anything. And that's what I would say my first experience was. And I would say that, you know, looking back on it, now that I've done paranormal investigations, and not just ghost hunts, but like this hunt. And yeah, you know, that's why, to be fair, that's kind of why I gave a very long preface when I started this podcast. <laughs> I had branches and giant rocks throwing me. Yeah. I never chased it in the woods. I don't take a shit. I'm not going to lie, right? Shaking shit. I'm in. I'm like, no, I'm not going that way. <laughs> but that was my first preface. And, you know, since then, I've gone up there. I went up there a couple times fairly immediately afterwards. And that was where I will let you guys further elaborate. But that, it, that was where I first met the dogs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In particular, the gray dog. Yeah. So you're by far getting a little ahead of yourself with that one because we we haven't even started our tales yet. Well, that's a preface. A <laughs> <laughs> preface. So for starters, I definitely really wanted to get out there the idea that, you know, I actually found that map with the ley lines on it. So that was a, that is a very, very rough thing. But after that, Ken, you were telling us the story about how people go up there and they kind of feel a little bit almost ambushy. Yeah. I, I have the same, very, very same thing. So when you first go into the woods and then the trail sort of bends around to the left and it goes into a bit thicker 
part of, of the woods actually kind of thicken up a little bit right through there. That's kind of where I felt like there were, I was sort of watching from both sides of the path. I literally felt like I was, you know, being almost stopped. You know, something that, you know, and then it looked like people were just going to jump out and, you know, I don't know, something, something bad. Have you had that same feeling up there? Not up there. Down towards the bottom of the hill, I have. I would say more of. I would say it's more of a feeling. It's your time now. Gradually, <laughs> but right at the boomers are coming down the hill. Letting me know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right when you reach the lower level. Yep. I know exactly. Um, very much a sense. Okay, we're ushering you out now. We're not going to force you out immediately, but we'd like you to make your way to the exit of me. Yeah, sort of, sort of worn out. You're welcome. We know you Do not pass go. Do not collect money. Just get out. <laughs> uh, at the top of the hill, I did have a strange experience with my friends, Jerry Gale, the one time it was three of us up there, and we decided to walk all the way to Hill Farm. At least on the other side of the hill. Um, That's a long walk from Indigo. We've walked. Yeah. <laughs> and it was late at night, and we stopped right at the, the top section of the the hill. We made it all the way to the peak in the wooded area at the top. Mm-hmm. And they were discussing this sort of gas line that was back through there and whether or not it could have been a road at one point or anything like that. See it. And and in my flashlights, I had my flashlight in my hands, and we were just standing around talking. And I picked up my flashlight and moved it just right in between two of them. And one of the freakiest things that happens, and it took a few minutes for me to actually like register what I was actually saying. But in the flashlight being... I saw a human femur bone standing there between the two of them. Just, I didn't. Just I didn't, the femur bone. Just the femur bone. <laughs> because it was just, the beam was just at the right height that it would hit a bone. And I didn't say anything because I knew Gail was absolutely terrified of the idea of skeletons. And I knew <laughs> she would have taken out running at top speed all the way back to the car right then and there. So I didn't mention it until the end. But I still don't know what on earth that was or why it happened. But at the bottom of the hill, I did have a weird experience down where the turnaround is near the station by the tracks. Mm-hmm. Or the path makes a round loop for people who've never been there. And there's a grassy spot in the center of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was out there with some friends one night and with a back. back and I sort of stopped because I, I felt weird and it's hard to describe what I was feeling. But I, they were asking me, why do I stop? And all I said, I just, I don't know why, but I just have to do this. So I stopped in the middle of the fields or that little plot of grass, put my arms out in front of me, my hands straight and looked up in the sky and they freaked out because they felt like there was something rushing from the hill down toward us. So we left. And then it was probably about two or three months later, I was talking to a friend of mine who happened to be Cherokee. And I just decided, we, we talk about ghost stories all the time and weird experiences. And I just mentioned to him, yeah, this weird thing happens when I was there. And I 
I put my hands out and, and he stopped me and he said, were your palms up or down? Like they were up. Andrew. He's like, Oh, I know what that is. Like, what do you mean? What that is? He's like, uh-huh. you were drawing down. What the hell is that? To call upon great spirits. And all the, I'm like, I didn't know what I was doing. I just did what, what, what came to you? My brain. Sure, yeah. Hmm? No, I absolutely love it. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally but that's, that's, that's very interesting. Uh, that is a NATO thing. That is a pagan thing. That is a Celtic thing. That is a... Yeah, that is a... So, to be fair, and not to call out one religion or the other, that's just, it's a pre-Christianity thing. Yeah. 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 In many contemporary Wiccan traditions, it's it's definitely very Wiccan, but it, it has it actually has an its roots in ancient Greece, believe it or not. So yeah. Interesting stuff. But Joe, you're the yes. your first experience. And yeah. So so you were there obviously many, many years after we first started going and started having all our own experiences there. So right. My actual first experience actually happens over three leagues. It, it, I, I want to preface it by saying that I check them out there a lot. Well, no, I only went there one day, but it's what led up to me going there that kind of got me ready for that. Yeah, right. So when I first met these two, uh, I was working at the place that I was a meat cutter at the time, Johnny Wim Walsworth. Teresa started working there. And, well, we kind of met up, talked to her a bit, and she, her first words to me was like, you and my husband may get along really well. Hung out with him, and I don't even think we talked about ghost hunting, like, for a long time. No, it was kind of an accident. Yes. Yes. And I remember this was the first night of, kind of, the whole Indigo thing. That's when it started. It's, I was getting ready to go to house, and mind you, I got off at 9 o'clock, but normally I go over to their house, BS for a little bit, drink a couple beers, just hang out, and then go home. And it was that thing. Eleven thirty. Uh, it was like two, and then you ended up saying till five. No, it was when I first went to leave. It was about eleven thirty midnight. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Like five. So I went to leave the door. And I remember we were talking about that a little bit, and I was kind of into it at the time, kind of wanted to get into it and start it. And I was walking out the door, and I don't know who said it, but I remember somebody said the light line. And I blew that. Like so, it is a here. Yeah. And I did that hard stop, and you heard the record go, and I just kind of turned around, and I was like, did you say Leyland? Because at the time I was kind of researching it, I was into it. And I knew some things happened with Leylines and the supernatural and all that. So I'm like, did you just, I was like, all right, we're going to have another conversation, grab another beer, get a cigarette, we're going to go talk. <laughs> and so we're like, I was at 5 a.m. And went home that night, and then I remember being at work. And I get the text from Alex saying, Hey, I'm taking I'm taking our other friend up there. We'll let you know how it goes. And I'm like, Oh man, I kinda want to go, but all right, let me know how it goes. When I say I saw two grown ass men walk into my place of business, looking giddy as a schoolgirl, just excited. No, no, no. I'm really excited. Oh, this was my giddy thing. Oh, you were still good. You touched me with that reason. You. That's what I'm saying. I feel like one of us was more geek than the other. Maybe a little bit still terrified. Not, 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 not,
So I sent them to come back, and, I, and both of them look so excited. I'm like, what happened? And it proceeds to tell me the story of the one friend that we had misidentified himself to the park by saying he was part of a tribe that was there, and he really was ironically Ojibwe. Yeah. <laughs> and the park, whatever was there, literally punched him in the gut. Literally, yeah. I watched this happen. He, yeah. he, like, there was like, like, double, 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 and, like, all the wind got knocked out of him. I mean, and you, you wouldn't see a second person, right. like, visibly, but it's super, like, someone just fucking got punched in. So, mind you, this kind of sparked my interest, like, all right, now I'm curious about the place because it's active, it's reactive. I want to see what, is, what this is about. And, like I said, I've researched the lines. I know when there's a convergence, there's a guardian that watches over that because of the power that it gives off and all this other stuff. But when going into Celtic, Celtic mythology and all that. So I was like, I go to and check out this place. I'm ready tomorrow. We're going back. <laughs> and they're like, okay. So I went up there and I only had in my mind what to say. And I get there. First of all, the place is absolutely gorgeous. If you want to go for a nice nighttime walk or something like that, it is a perfect place to go because it's just peaceful and serene. So we get there. I'm looking around. I'm just cottoning all the beauty of the place. And I just start getting this weird feeling like something's coming out and saying hello. So I'm like, all right, this is, this is entertaining, to say the least. So we rank a little bit, and we go by the lake, and we start going up that hill. And just start getting this weird feeling like, like something was coming out and watching. They brought someone new. So they're coming out to check out who they are. And... I was like, oh, this is, this is actually really quick. I'm digging this. So, um, and I made sure to not do what the other guy did. I didn't want to misidentify myself. So I <laughs> put my fair name out there, said, I am my son of a seventh son. I am coming to observe, not to interrupt. And as soon as I said that, like, right where the lead I'm compared to says the car lit up like it was in a spotlight. And I remember I was saying, like, hey, do you see the car? I'm like, you mean the thing that's lit up like a Christmas tree? No, yes, I do. And then after that, like, it just went through there crazy. Like, I started seeing this black dog. I literally felt a dog that wasn't there lick me on my face. Yeah, it went insane that night. So I was like, all right, this is my jam. This is my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> I just hooked after that. So, yeah, that was my first experience when we were three days of talking about this to prepare me for the place to get up there. And it was not disappointing me ever since. So, so while you're mentioning it, though, I guess we should probably go ahead and tell you that in the lake, and, and Ken, correct me if I am wrong on this, you know way more about the history of the lake than I do. Uh, it actually used to be called Gray's Torrey, and it was a gravel and sand pit. Yes. Yeah, it was never a natural lake. It yeah. was basically, it was a pit mine for gravel and sand that hit an underground spring mm-hmm. and ended up flooding. Gotcha. Whether or not there's still equipment in the bottom is sort of rumor and speculation is extremely neat. What I will say is, yeah, what you just touched on, Cam, what I will say is the irony of this place, if you ever look at this lake, you will never imagine this lake is 89 feet deep. Yeah. No, no. Uh, yeah, at its deepest point, it's said to be 89 feet deep, and it says that it, and obviously it is, it is closed for swimming. You absolutely cannot swim there. And for good reason, because it is rumored 
though the Elmwood Browns farm that feeds it has a pretty, pretty nasty uh, sort of a toe that can drown women and potentially just drown the shit. It's quite so fat, so it's ice cold. And, yeah. and tennis might be meth, and you might know, or it might just be meth. To the best of my knowledge, when I first went out there, I was suddenly impressed that I heard stories that at least two people have proud of Appalachian, but they've just never been found. Yeah. That I don't know about, but I know that the, I believe it's the Bath Township Fire Department. It could be a different one. They regularly do, they do rescue drills in that lane. Yeah, on rescues. So they have this president too, so. Yeah, so they would probably know more about it than I do. I don't know of any, for sure, of any drownings that took place there, but it's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, that was a long time ago. And it might have been stories back then. You know, yeah. that was probably popular back then. Yeah. What I will say before we move on to any like further and more sovereign paranormal stories or experiences that we've had is what I do want to get off the table is John and I have literally camped yeah. in places where what I will say is go ahead and follow the park rules. And it's a very loose rule because you're not supposed to camp in certain places. But as long as you let them know, a lot of times they really don't care. Uh, so, like, Indigo, for instance, if you follow that back that I was talking about, that goes to the left and then that views into the woods, you will actually find the woodwood class campsites that are normal campground back there. Yeah. Um, so, a yards. And upon shooting an email, they were like, hey, cool, thanks for letting us know you're going to be here. Just let me know. Yeah. So, that place at Indigo, we actually did let them know we were going to go. Um, to be fair, Everett Road Cover Bridge, we just kind of walked down the creek bed and we camped and we didn't tell anybody we were going to be there that time, yeah. but you know, whatever. Semantics. Semantics. <laughs> uh, but so, ironically enough, in our camping escapades, don't get me wrong, I would suggest against anybody camping down the Everett Road, like Creek River thing. Yeah, just don't. Um, because what you don't think about at the time where you're like, hey, you know what? This looks like the right place you can. And it's, uh, it's a water source for all the animals <laughs> in the valley. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you, that grown man goes hunter was afraid to go outside and be by himself at night. <laughs> because we literally heard every animal in the valley go to the water yeah. and drink. Yeah. <laughs> I almost put Barracode there in Melly Duke and watch me pee. Go ahead, laugh up, get it funny. <laughs> no, I also let people that do that. I know everyone thinks of, oh, it's just deer and raccoons, and that's it. There are definitely coyotes out there, and coyotes do hunt in packs. And they've got yeah. worse. They're not the friendly little creatures you might think that they are. No. Yeah, there's actually, yeah. the, the, I believe it was, the, I can't remember who did the study. Anyway, the, last, the last we checked, the last, the last it was the study that I heard of, there is one particular pack that is, it's sort of a mega pack that sort of roams the entire valley, and they, they sort of split off into individual and middle packs, but the pack as a whole was over 300 members strong. Yeah, seems accurate. Yes. So, 
And it's this it, it's it's real just so one thing that I definitely want to bring and we didn't say this prior to starting the episode, so I'm just gonna say it now and I know I've said it before. This is a national park. Yes. It closes at dark. Sunset, get the fuck out. Yeah. It's, you you can't be there. No fires, no alcohol, leash packs only. You need to follow the rules. There aren't people that are gonna be out there. 24-7, waiting for you to act like a dumb thing. If you trip over a rock and you hurt your ankle, you're stuck. That's the end of it. Well, I mean, here's and can confirm this. These are small towns in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, yeah. that have a limited budget. So, you know, those same park rangers that cover Indigo Lake, they clock out at sign. Yeah, and there's nobody there until the next morning. I mean, aside from the the obvious dangers, though, of you know not being able to get care quickly if you need it, this this place is it's a national reserve. It's home to dozens and dozens, hundreds of species of wildlife, and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of stories of people who used to live there and have made this place their home and unfortunately their graves and you need to respect it and if you do not have business in the park slow the fuck out yeah um but with that said please during the day go take a walk enjoy it it's beautiful but i'm gonna tell you this yeah it's straight up a toothbrush true (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell you the story when we went camping that night when we let the rangers know to go camping there i'm very big on hygiene and yeah right uh went to brush my teeth before i went in bed and that pack of kylos went off and i froze i admit i froze i had my toothbrush on me they never attacked but they were they were damn close. <laughs> that was just greatly summarized for she yeah so what i will say to expand a little bit, but still keep it summarized, is about 9 o'clock, we heard this pack of coyotes go up, and they sounded like they were about a mile, two miles out. Yeah, they were far away. All right? Sounded like they got a deer. We literally heard a deer bleat. Coyotes went off, went dead silent after about five minutes. Around about 11 o'clock, two hours after we heard the first go off frame, we heard another deer bleeding. These coyotes go off. So about half the distance they were away. This is one three brainiac big bold aesthetic men decide, you know what? Those sausages that we have, we should go ahead and cut those on down. Mind you, they were already cut up. So you know, we had a fire and all we had brought these sausages over we eat these things. Oh man, two hours later. This pack of Kylie goes off. And they sounded like they were in my ear slash backyard. Oh, yeah. They were, really, I think, maybe 15 feet away from me. Oh, uh, we did check the tracks the next day. Yeah. And they, I hit it through a rock ahead of them. Yeah. <laughs> like 10 feet away. Like solid. Yep. It was, it was a weird night. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if you're camping in the woods and you know that there is a large coyote pack that hangs out near you, don't fucking grow sausages. Just out there in the open. That you clicked it, you didn't have to go. Come on, guys. Really? That is stupid. We had a show. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible papers. <laughs> well, apparently it was the bear the fire with that we didn't bring. Yeah, the ring conflict. And I guess somebody expected us to have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
No, this is just for wealth, man. I'm very, very dear friend of ours, Dan. He basically says that you don't know what you're doing when you're camping unless you bring a shovel with you. Yeah. So you can bring your fire. I was like, I was kind of fucking bridging how progression you're having, but... I'll say this, that night we did camp there was entertaining besides the coyotes. Did you hear you? Because, well, not just that, but we also heard people talking in the roots. We did actually go somewhere, but we walked up to actually where we normally go, and we did see a lot of dark figures starting in the woods. We saw the dogs. Well, turn to live. We saw the dogs away from the car. Ricks. Ricks. But, uh, no, right? I did say rice for some reason. Well, stop getting hungry. No, I'm not even sure what time it was. It had to be late at night, probably about maybe 2 or 3 in the morning. I just got woken up. And that was, that was the first time I got woken up that night. But it's got woken up by this weird sound. It sounded like this didgeridoo being played. And I just... I remember hearing it. it was just one like meow, meow, meow. It was just like it was like one long note that would last sixty seconds, and then it would like quit for like thirty seconds, and then it would do it again. And I'm like, I can't even call that a train. Like it's not even a ghost train. I don't know what that is. Nah, but I'm gonna call Ken. <laughs> but I remember laying there, and I'm like, you were that guys, and Alice goes, yep. I'm like, okay. <laughs> just went like that. And then the second time I was woken up, I think it was when the coyotes came back, because as I'm in the tent lane, I feel something touch my head, which is them coming through the tent. And I just feel their snap touch my head. Literally, laying in the was like, I, I didn't even wake up. I was just like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that was after, no, that was before the experience I had up there with something throwing something at my head. I would say also to the purposes of story that we are both male and 1980s children. <laughs> Don't be dumb like us. <laughs> yeah. Don't be like, just pull blinds over the other one. I think how the blind game is a sleeping bag. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's been a couple of other instances up there that we've had something happen that I can't quite explain. I would say the only other story that I would like to touch on a little bit that well a little bit and then we can just open this stuff for like the last fifteen, twenty minutes, whatever. It is Joe and I go up there and we go hiking a lot. And Joe and I have the types of people that we also feel that likes like a path and we're gonna follow it. Off trail. To our own detriment. <laughs> to our own detriment. And Dream Fan said, in my intro, this is where the chain link comes in. Because I told my kid this story. He's like, you see how chain link that? He's like, you're probably the third kingdom. It's what happened. So, Joe and I one day went up there during, I want to say summer, fall-ish. No, it was fall. It was spring, summer. Spring, summer, yeah. What do you mean later? We're going to just lay out, too. It's a beautiful day, and we're just like, yep, let's go. And then the day, like, I even like just go around the town, takes us, right? Uh, so anybody that's super in tune with the panel and the panel and a broader scope would know that the fan, they would know what fairy rings look like, they would know what berries look like. Joy, ladies. All right. We went up there and uh, we see the mimics. And we literally followed the fizzy path wherever the hell it took us. Which, 
<laughs> Which, long and short of the story, we had an interesting place, actually. We got back now, clearly, we're going to be doing a podcast. I really hope we just... We went to probably what a normal Irish descendant would consider about nine feet eight. Again, he really summarized this. When we first went there, there's a part as you're walking along the path, and you have a barrack on your right side, and then like just straight up woods on your left. I saw what it looked like to be a trail back there. And I said, hey, man, let's just go off trail. Let's just go back here. And Alice being honest, she's like, okay. And just kept walking. And we're sitting there, and you come to a part back there to where it starts dipping, and you get hills and little peaks and valleys and all that. That's not a really big spot. It kind of rounds out, but it's still a nice little spot. Well, we come across what I would call the fake core, because that's how it was set up. It's this little bit of a, I see, it's actually pretty big. And there's like stone set up that looks like in chairs that the Fae would sit in and all that. And then right at the crest of it, right in the middle, there's like a throne. Can I show you the next time we're up there? Yeah. You, this might actually blow your mind up. I don't think we've shown you this before. No. <laughs> no, definitely not. So, we're That's something I would remember. So we saw that and we're like, dude, this is cool. And it was, all right, this is kind of awesome. You know, and we still got a fair of I think good, maybe five, ten minutes. Yeah. And I, I think I may have said it because I screwed up. I saw something out of the corner of my eye. I was like, if you want me to follow you, show me a path. Yep. You literally saw the path, like, open it up. Like, a new path opened up to me. And I'm like, Alice, you see that? And I heard him say, yeah. <laughs> and I move on. Yep. And then we went. So, yeah, this is so, definitely part of the new stuff that we have found up there. Yes, yes. Stuff that kind of you haven't. <laughs> this is about two summers ago. You haven't been with us to experience any of this stuff with us. And I know it's actually been a while since you've been up there in general. Yeah, but this is this is definitely stuff that we would love to discuss further with you. And, I, of course, see, I, I don't even know what's your take. What's well, your I'm take? not done telling my story yet. Let him tell you. So I'm just I'm curious. I'm, I'm just the guy that gets interrupted, guys. So, <laughs> um, so as we're going through the, these doorways are opening up to us, like literally, you wish you had one, another one opens up. One ends, another one opens up. We walked a straight line the entire time. And Ken, to be fair, just to give you an idea of the direction that we felt like we were walking, we felt like we were walking towards the railroad tracks. No, kind of. No, opposite way. Well, maybe we started on the other side, but we were walking to the way across the path. Not this one. <laughs> you go ahead. Not this time. Again, guy that gets interrupted. <laughs> uh, so, we were starting this trail, and like I said, we walked a straight line the entire time. We never turned around. We never went right or left. We walked a straight line. Next thing I know, we ended up back on the trail at the beginning of the trail. Like, right when the woods, can you know this, right where the woods begin to start on the trail, that's where we ended up at. We never turned the entire time. To the point to where me and him come out, and I was like, why don't we step out of that? And I was trying to look up and see a car, I'm like, oh, we're back in the beginning. How to, how to, how to, and I actually had to get my phone out to 
check to see if we're actually in the right place in my life. Now, any normal people would just stop and be like, okay, that was entertaining. All right, let's go home. No, we went in again. <laughs> that is when we crossed the path and went into the other side. And that's where we found the red tree, right? Yes. Which is ironic because it was spring, not fall. Just leave off the red tree and put it real We found this clearing. Cause I remember going up there and smelling lilacs. I'm like, why do I smell lilac? And I looked over and it's just this beautiful lilacs. And a giant fucking tree with red leaves and a banana. And hopefully one day, Facebook is dumb enough to show me the picture that I posted so that my wife can see it because I don't know where that picture is anymore. I actually, I don't know if I can ever follow, find that tree again. I actually took a panoramic view, because I have an iPhone, took a panoramic view of the whole entire valley. Don't fucking go there. I cannot find that picture to save my life. It is deleted off my phone. That my phone can do panoramic. I know. Also. It's just with him. That picture is gone. It's not even on my iPhone I have. It's not on there whatsoever. I cannot find that picture to save my life. Find that tree again. So, what actually stopped us from going even further because we saw another that way open up. This actually stopped us because we're like, ah, I think we went too far. Was the next story that opened up actually had stone steps going into a clearing with an actual archway. Hmm. Like an actual like branches formed to form an archway. And I'm like, I don't think we've went too far. Like if we're going further, I don't believe we're getting back out. And mind you, from the at that point in time, Nick Larry, it took us almost two hours to get out of the woods after. Wait. I don't know how long we were stuck there. I didn't think that big spot. No. <laughs> I actually, so it's funny because I tell my kid that story, right? And I told him, he's like, yeah, let me just going to disappear. I was like, bro, let me tell you straight up. If I threw over the wrong pathway and I get through the wrong door, I end up in the fair realm. Over I was like, I'm not even looking for the door back because your mom's going to be so mad. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> but you know, so our tangent, you figure once we found out, no, man, I was, I wouldn't say we found our way out of uh, that red tree was, but we kind of just picked a direction and walked straight from there. We ended up going across any road that I don't know which road it was, and we went into the woods again. And then the next road we came to was Boat Hill Road, and we actually ended up crossing the street right behind Ever Rental Bridge. Yeah. But here's the trick to that. So we went into the woods, and we went into the woods on the other side of the path where we were aiming toward the train tracks. So how did from Indigo Lake, like you're aiming towards the train tracks, the relaying valley over the ravine. How do you end up behind ever ran the bridge, like walk out across the bridge? Right. That's a good question. That's for opinion. That's a normal question. I don't know, but I do know that a friend of mine back in college who was who was Wiccan and used to explore the valley with me, routinely told me that on the south side of the covered bridge, off in the woods between the bridge and Everett Road, he would regularly see fairies. Wow, that's amazing. Because I was just going to tell you a story of the fairies. 
and he talked, but he, he told me all the time that I never saw anything. So I thought, okay, it's just him being him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and now that you mentioned that, it really does sound interesting because it was right along the creel heading down south toward Indo Lake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That is actually incredible. Okay. Uh, we, I mean, between now and then, I'm basically with multiple times, but uh, we will make a point. So the last time that we went out there and literally, I would say, saw fairies physically, whatever you want to call them, we decided that we were going to go up and the bottom solstice during the time between times, which for anybody out there that's listening that doesn't know what that is, and it's the time between when the sun goes down, but it's not dark yet. Twilight. Otherwise known as dusk. It's the time between times. It's not dusk yet. It is, it is the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we literally watched Faye dancing around, and we literally watched them go into the woods and into the trees. And ironically enough, it was that was the same night that we got it got done real fast. Everything went dead and quiet. And something on the way out of the trail from the con back to the trailhead at the top of the hill where Indigo Lake is literally screaming Joe's face. Mm-hmm. And this is ironically for a weird little bit of play. Maybe Bigfoot lore comes into play. I would not have believed anything like that because I'm, to be for a long time, I considered that shit white trash TV. No, it weirdos, whatever. I wouldn't have considered it weird except there was a very pronounced P on the end of whatever screaming Joe's face. And it was, he said it's how the language was five feet away and we couldn't see a goddamn thing. So, so I want to jump in on that one. I don't know. I don't know what that was that made that noise. I was there that day, and I heard that as well. And, you know, I mean, you could get, like, the sound of, like, an owl squawking or something like that. that was all like the owl. But at the end, there was a very, very pronounced P sound at the end of this whatever this thing was that it screamed. We spent the car ride back home, which for us is about maybe ten five minutes. All right. Yeah. Um, I was going through back when we were young and we could sit up all night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> was going through absolutely every single piece of audio that Google would give me with with, you know, what species lives in Ohio. Live in Ohio. What species are in through the state in general, I was looking at everything you could think of from like little tiny field mice noises all the way up to different noises that coyotes can make, raccoons, rabbits, possums, birds, different bird species, just in case it was a specific species. Um, and I absolutely could not find a wild animal sound that goes to Ohio that, that even came close to recreating that sound. No, is that the same way that there's time between time for fairies? Oh, that actually was played out after that when everything went quiet. No, no, no. I was talking about when that um, possum came out and scared the shit out of us. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, interesting stuff. 
I agree with with the the Faye thing. Same night, I was there as well. We went up to we got to the top of the path by what we call the card and where it where it, you know takes a little bit of a turn to the left there. But if you take a if you go away, then it kind of opens up into some woods and then you can go down the hill into that little patch that's below the hill where that little tiny creek runs. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's actually where I saw fairies. And and that's really difficult for me because like I it's difficult for me to say I saw fairies because I believe in a lot of things, but most of the things that I believe in are things that aren't super ridiculously hard to believe in. Okay. If you have me making the right here, the longer that you study this shit, the more weird shit you will under you will sadly come to believe and see. At some degree, yes. I I don't know. Right. But I'm still in a lot of ways I'm very much I have to see it for myself as believing a type in a lot of two ways. Right. See the real part for me is I actually believed in the fail before I believed in ghost. So, <laughs> I, I get that. It's how we run out of our heads, it's true. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, to continue with that, what actually happened was, um, I, I don't even, I don't know what was happening, but I was like, I was just sort of standing there looking around, and there wasn't anything significant going on. There were no noises in the forest. The guys were taking off to go down into the Ribbian area where the little creek was, and I just just wandering out through the forest and I see something that looks like this little light flick and it just sort of waters very quickly from like one tree to another and it at first I was like oh you know lightning bugs or whatever didn't bring a damn thing of it and then I sat again and again and I took several steps closer to these this little little patch of trees and they were I'm I'm not showing you I know how crazy this sounds. They were little tiny beings with wings and when they flew over wings emitted white. Just flash lending bugs don't rock and disappear in the trees. They sure the fact do well acid they do. <laughs> yeah, I, I love nothing. I love drinking nothing. I love smoking nothing. Swear to goodness, I love this this just one hundred percent sober. And and this they are very fucking real folks and they exist at Indigo Lane. Then why me and Joe were well me and Joe were peeing on fairy rings. Fine. I actually did that. I didn't know. I didn't look down the fair way, and all of a sudden I looked down, I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. Oh, these, these three never protected trees, but familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Man, and I'll have to find that recording, but I do believe I actually caught fairy wings on a recording. Like flurry? Like yes. This? Yes. Me and Alex were out there, and I just had a random thought in my head. I'm going to do an EVP. This time I don't do that in the woods because Lord knows what you're going to catch and you can't ever prove it. And there's, just, there's just a lot of outside noise that you can't do anything with. We were asking some specific questions about things that we knew about that were happening out there um, as far as Faye and all that. And mind you, I'm standing still. There's no wind whatsoever. But on the recording, you distinct hear a... That's Please. It's like, oh... Oh man! All right, didn't hear it at all. And with my regular ears, but on the recording, I caught it. Right. So 
which is ironic, because the one thing that I will say about Indigo Lake to anybody that actually wants to go up is check the place out. Like, don't bother going up there with your camper. It's no, don't don't bother going up there with your audio recorder for the mini car. Uh, I in twenty six years of going there, I have heard two EVPs from that place. <laughs> Total, yeah, pretty. Never seen a picture that came out from that place. I've only heard two EVPs. Like, there goes the beautiful, and it's amazing, and it will show you what you want to see. Yep. But don't go up there looking for something because you're not going to find it. No, every time I tried to do that, it's been dead. So, yeah. So, what do you think, Ken? I don't know. <laughs> That's. <laughs> We're made speechless. In other words, I think you would say this we need to go up on the time between times and the winter solstice again, or summer solstice and sure. Was it all in September? Okay. Yeah, I need to see what you're talking about and see the places and kind of. Well, get a feel for it myself. At the time, I'm sorry. At the time that we did that in the time between times, did you also mention I walked around the car counterclockwise three times? Yeah. I think that's what set it off. Because I remember reading that in that script where if you walk around a Lady Lightning or car counterclockwise three times, it unlocks certain things. And I do that. Sure. By chance to see what would happen, and then all of a sudden I remember standing there wasn't a fairy do a pirouette. I'm like, what the hell? So, you said mirrors? Uh, this is a new bit of information that Ken will just now get from us. The second EVP that I've ever heard from up there is one that we actually recorded. And I don't remember what the original question was on the response to Go ahead. So that the response that we got from the dream man was my eyes. Yeah. No, that was actually, I was the one who asked the question. <clears throat> because as a, we started getting a theory on the, the hierarchy of druidic trees, we started getting a theory because they were all three down. So we're like, oh, what would happen if three of us touched those trees? What would happen at the time between other times? It, again, it was like, Scientific stuff. It was like, let's trial and error this. To be fair, when you touch one, basically nothing. Yeah. And then you touch one and the second one, mild vibration. Yes. So, for what Joe said exactly <laughs> what he saw, I want to step back a minute to where, Ken, you said it, something about somebody seeing a dark shadow that had very vibrant colored eyes, orange eyes. <laughs> yes, I did. They looked basically like if you took two hot embers from a fire and you held them up. So, so now I would, I would like Joe to finish his portion. So me and Alex did a test first. We touched the two trees and I literally saw like the green, the leaves on the ground vibrate. Well, we got really low on the third person. Yeah. Yeah. We're like they were trying to like levitate almost. That's the vibration that looked like. So yeah, then we had the phone person was like, hey, you go over there and touch that one. And yes. mind you, we're, we're kind of spread out. We're far apart, but we're not too far apart to where we couldn't see or hear each other. Right the shape, about yeah. 70 foot from tree tree. Yeah. So I'm standing there and I'm like, all right. And it was really in a bad spot for me because I'm the type of dude I don't like to have my back towards anything that's an open field because I, I kind of want to see it coming. Right. Oh, we got it. We got it back to something. So I was like, <laughs> all right. It's just. 
whatever. And we counted down. We all three touched the trees at the same time. And I remember feeling that vibration again, but a calmness to it. And all of a sudden, I remember hearing something behind me, and I turned around, and I looked, wait, do you all know you're closing if they can find it? You probably hear me go, oh, <laughs> because I literally saw this figure standing there. Didn't see the rest of it. It was kind of like almost, the other thing I can equate it to is the movie The Predator, his camouflage. Like, that's what it looked like, but two red eyes just staring at me. And I'm like, fuck! And I'll admit, I was a chicken shit. <laughs> I took off. Because that I wasn't prepared to see that. And I got back to where Alex was at, and that's when I was like, dude, did you see that? And you're like, yeah, what'd you see? And that's when I, you hear the EVP. You don't hear me say anything, but you hear the EVP, my eyes. It's, it's yeah. as clear as a bell. It's yeah. clear as a bell. That, that we went up, and that was, that was the year that we were going to NGO basically every weekend. Yeah. We went probably a month to a month and a half before we had any more experiences there. It literally just died for like a month and a half. Yeah. Dive king. <laughs> didn't see anything. Didn't hear anything. No. It, it's literally like it took his eyes. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was interesting. It was very interesting. And I I actually think the thing that was up there is the green man. Because I've seen it multiple times. And so, for those who are sitting there, what is the green man? Are you asking me again? Yeah. Oh. The green man is kind of like the protector of the forest. Oh, Celtic. Yeah, I say Celtic, but just a lot of other things just called a different name. It's it's just the protector of the forest, pretty much. So if you see the face in the tree, or you, you'll see a lot of them in like gardens, like the picture of the face there, that's the green man. Yeah. It's just the protector of the wildlife, as in trees and forests and all that. Yeah, watch the woods. Yeah. So, Dan, we have just given you a mountain of information to unpack, Ken. How do you feel? He's reading. <sighs> a little still digesting. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, there's a lot of interesting stuff that sort of ties in over <clears throat> decades of things crossing over in unusual ways. Very intriguing to see things. Oh, I have a lot more stories, but I don't want to overload you right now. How long did we let my feet up a second? I'll just cut it. So this fall, probably around the September, yeah, I would actually say like right after the autumn solstice. No, uh, we will have had a whole summer with Ken up there. Ken will get to experience time between times. Uh, actual summer solstice, not the new. So, so yeah, giving him going off of the old calendar, giving him the autumn solstice, we'll revisit it then so that. Ken has an idea of what he's looked at, and he's had his own time to digest his own shit. And just to be fair, very clear, we'll do it. And they point out. I don't expect anybody to believe these stories because they are excellent. But at least I'm aware of how At least it gives me the opportunity to prove it. <laughs> Ken, huh? It's <laughs> <laughs> like I was your mentor. I'm not claiming that shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> too much, too much. Yeah. No, actually, to be fair, I know Ken. Ken is fucking interested right now. Is which Ken? Here's the part that is, uh, that that it's it's perfectly okay to be skeptical, and it's perfectly okay to get your own uh, see it for yourself. 
again, super monastery. Yeah, it's an international park, dude. Don't, don't take firearms, don't take drugs, don't take alcohol. Get the heck out after dark. Sunrise and sunset are, are the hours of the park. Please stay out. It's it's not okay to go traipsing around in the woods, disturbing nature, and potentially injuring yourself right. uh, if you don't know where you are or what you're doing. Uh, just, just, just don't fucking do it. Like, for no other reason than realistically, nowadays, it's just not safe. Look, I love the place. It feels like a second home to me. Mm-hmm. When you are up there at dusk, when the sun starts to go down, and you hear coyotes go off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's time to go. Yeah. It's time to go. Like, you're, you're not hanging out anymore. Yeah, that coyote pack is big, and they are not afraid of people, and they don't come and attack just one person and one one animal, that's not the way it works. They they burn up all for your policy. And if you are out there by yourself or there's just one or two people, especially if you have a pet with you like your dog, even on yeah. a leash, that you not safe. You are in fucking <laughs> trouble. Just done. Yeah. Well I do want to make one clarification though. The metro parks are generally what close at dusk. The national park itself, unless the location is specifically posted, it's open 24 hours a day. You're not helping me. <laughs> but there's a towpath. The towpath, you can go, you can walk the towpath any time of day or night, unless it's closed for a valid reason, because there are places they're repairing for erosion and stuff like that. Right. And in the interest of disclosure, I do work for the scenic railroad. So I, I, it, that's not connected directly to the national park, but we work closely with the national park. So I do spend a lot of time there and deal with a lot of stuff. I shouldn't have to deal. With. <laughs> right. I think the point for me is the only thing I'm trying to say is, don't move any badass. But if you're coyotes, just go to the fuck home and call it a day. Like, yeah. that's the okay. case. Yeah. Live another day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's full of them, guys, but don't get hunted. Yeah. yeah. Unless it's better supernatural. <laughs> and for me, it's, it's, and I hate to say this, it's less about breaking the law and more about, please, just respect the place, respect the nature, respect the spirits. Yeah, that's our thing, really. yeah, yeah, yeah. That. whereas you could end up like the stupid fool that got sucker punched by a ghost. <laughs> and I'm laughing. That was great. <laughs> There's no point in being a ghost, bro. You don't need to tri- act like you're tough and antagonize things. Exactly. Act like everything is some kind of demonic possession. It's just. Because take a chill pill. Who's that guy? It's not his mom. He's that guy. He's that He's that person to whom we do not. Who's your hobby name? <laughs> You're not possessed, Zach. You're just an asshole. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> In case you didn't know what that song was, it's going right over Teresa's head. <laughs> but yeah, no. Oh, well. I would be experiencing the entire place. Like I said, it's peaceful. It's serene. Some of things happen every now and again, but it's it, if you're into the paranormal, it's not so weird that you that freaks you out and you don't want to go back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Just walk along the trail and enjoy the nature. 
But again, we will be taking Ken up there. We will play beautifully. So the whole summer, we will come back and see how Ken feels when he gets back. Yes. I think this is a good idea. I've been itching to get back up there. That is, uh, that is starting to warm up, too, so that's super nice. Dude, my kid has been bugging me to take my hiking up there. Dude. And I was like, so you want to go hiking up there? He's like, no, I don't find goats. Yeah, he wants to go some. <laughs> I was like, you mean you want me to? Okay. <laughs> well, that's different. <laughs> well, you just tell him to be up there on a night and you see another group up there investigating. Please, stay out of the way. Come on. Yeah, be respectful. I don't understand that. Don't stay out. Just go to my well, make yourself known so that they're not pretend that you're like you're. Don't don't be a dick. Don't try to scare people because that's dumb, uh, and that causes injuries, which then cause you know bad things, and then mm. all of a sudden the park gets closed and we're all screwed and we can't go. <laughs> anyway, people well, just like don't be a douche. Don't be a dick, <laughs> man. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. Any final words to say, Ken? I would love to hear you uh, promote that book of yours. Oh yeah, well, weirdly queer. And Queer Hauntings are both available on Amazon. You can get both of them. I know the Weirdly Queer is a bit of a heavy dive, and it's it covers a lot. It, but it's 10 years of research put into it. But I'm, I'm truly proud of what I've done with it. And it's an eye-opener in a lot of ways. It's not all seriousness. There's a lot of crazy stories in there about some things people may not realize had any dealings with here. Uh, and it's, there's, I love strange research and I love the out on the way stories, not the typical stories you hear 5,000 times from the same people over and over. So I, I always make it a point to try and dig up the stories that are obscure and forgotten. So definitely do that. And yeah, we will. I know we have some plans in April to go to Waverly. I don't know if you mentioned that yet. I have, yes. I'm excited. I am. We're going to do the podcast again, just in case. Yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah. This will be my first time in Waverly Hills. But it's been a place I've always been curious about. I, I tend to shy away from places that have been kind of overexposed by people mm. but this one is still really interesting to me i've been finally trying to work on some equipment you know i updated some equipments finally to the digital era so i'm coming into the 20th century finally <laughs> uh, and i don't know if the projects that i'm working on are all going to be finished but one project I am working on is coming along. It may not be, may not end up being like what I anticipated it being, but I, I'm incorporating some old technology with new technology and trying my best to come up with a new communication device that is something that spirits from a hundred years ago would be very familiar with. So call it Ranger, yes. Well, I'll, I'll give a little bit of it away. It is an old telegraph key and sounder. Nice. Uh, so anyone from around the turn of the 20th century who had any familiarity with telegraphs or anything like that can pick it up easily. It's made out of brass. It's good quality. It's I 
gotten most of it restored. It's just down to the wiring now and trying to see if it all functions properly. And then if if my plans can work, I'm trying to figure out a way to add an extra sensor layer into it. But I don't know if I'm going to be able to incorporate new technology that much. So we'll see. It could just be a, sort of a, a an older variation on the the unscrewed flashlight tests because I can't adjust the sensitivity of the telegraph key. So I'm there's a lot of different ways I can make take this, but it's it's slowly coming together. So I'm curious to try and try out ideas that have been floating in my head for years and I've never actually. So here's the eye and what you just mentioned between you trying to melt the old and the new. This is an idea that I kicked out towards my wife a couple of days ago at best. Is I want to, as a group, sit down with our group and pick a place. And I say we literally just do an old school investigation. No digital anything. We'll get like you know, at worst, we'll get like the disposable 35 millimeter cameras, uh, all audio tapes, all film. Let's do an old school investigation of somewhere. Could we make it of a place that we've been missing it before with the digital equipment? So I'm, that way we get a difference. It's fine. But my idea is if I want to do one old school parallel investigation. Nice. I mean, we've definitely got it on the it's not on the calendar yet, but we've got it in, in the lurks to uh, go back to Madison here. And really kind of any time we, we so desire. And we are there for a long enough hole, then we could do both in one evening. So we could we could definitely do it. Nah. I think I'd like to reach out for two different evenings. Uh, what can we do with the same evening? Really? Okay, yeah. well. Well, the good thing about that is I still have a lot of my old equipment, so... Second, I've still got a high camcorder. I've still got... Uh, well, Joe's got an audio tape recorder. I can get on a set recorder because those are fairly cheap. That um, still made me mad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so we've got like all kinds of weird old stuff. And like I said, uh, when it comes to film cameras, we'll just get, uh, you know, uh, just disposable 35 millimeters. Well, I still have my Olympus 35 millimeter camera that I started using back, back in the late nineties. So nice. I really have full Polaroid and one tank sitting on my bookshelf right now. Yeah. <laughs> I started out like buying film for it. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> and I just sent the two of you over a picture of the current state of the device in the I just saw that. Rock on. <laughs> so I want to go ahead and just let you all know that I am going to be posting on our Facebook site for No Lights Paranormal. I'll be posting a link to be able to pick up Ken's book, Past the and Present. I'm going to rub it in that I have autographed copies with all of them. <laughs> uh, the writing style is phenomenal. And if you like anything paranormal, obviously, you're going to want to pick these up because I absolutely love, I love your writing style. I love it. It's phenomenal. I love your way of influence. I love your way of storytelling. Uh, you put one of my favorite authors, Steve. Nice. <laughs> and uh, of course, they were not in the paranormal. So even even just fighting off with the kind of the battery one, you know, I love it. I love it. So what would one of make sure that you guys can pick up one of these books? You can actually even have support 
by a cat of his future weddings and even this project that he's got going on right now on his website, which would become, it's basically the equivalent of like a Patreon member. So I have a website of that as well. So if you love him as much as we do and want to see him continue to do other things for the paranormal, you can uh, help support these projects so that he can actually afford to create these awesome little things. Uh, that said, I believe Kate just turned out his information now. If you would like to get away socials, we'll go ahead and wrap this up because in two hours and five minutes, this is our biggest episode. Wow, guys, I'm sorry that I've been not sorry. <laughs> so, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook at Unlikes Paranormal. Uh, but I always want to hear your stories, your comments, your questions, or just shoot shit with you. Uh, you can message me at NoLikesParanormal at gmail.com. And of course, you can always find us on X at NoLikesGhosts. Definitely want to hear from you. Yeah, I said we share your guys' story, so come on, keep sending them. So we did get the first story, and obviously you guys heard that the first story that was shared with us, um, I am I am putting it into proper form and to be able to deliver it to you guys. But the point to it is, uh, he won a hoodie, and everyone's paranormal hoodie, but it was not even in play production yet, so he's waiting for her for a few minutes. Yep, it's all we have not. I don't even have fire. I don't have a hoodie. I don't have my own money for bringing shows in, but you want to know yet. Friends, congrats. Family, we love you. And remember, don't fuck with the Baba Yaga. You're looking.